Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Chapter 20. I have felt this message for tonight, but about two and a half hours ago when I text your pastor the information after doing so. It hit me hard. You want a word from the Lord? You're going to get one tonight. Going to pick it up. Verse number nine, Second Samuel 20. And Joab said unto Amasa, Art thou in health, my brother? Joab took Amasa by the beard with the right hand to kiss him. But Amasa took no heed to the sword that was in Joab's hand. More worried was Amasa with what's coming from Joab's mouth than what he's holding in his hand. So he smote him therewith in the fifth rib shed out his bowels to the ground struck him not again and he died so Joab and Abishai the brother his brother pursued after Sheba the son of Bechri and one of Joab's men stood by him And said, he that favoreth Joab and he that is for David, let him come after Joab. And 
and a mesa wallowed in blood in the midst of the highway. And when the men saw, when the man saw that all the people stood still, stood still, he removed a mesa out of the highway into the field, cast a cloth upon him, when he saw that everyone that came by him stood still. When he was removed, when he was removed, When he was removed out of the highway, all the people that stood still went on. When, when he was removed, people went on. I want to talk to you tonight about a Mesa's mess. A Mesa's mess. Would you lift your hands and ask the Holy Ghost to help us tonight? Help us, God, to get a hold of this and it get a hold of us. In Jesus' name. Please be seated. writer doesn't leave much to the imagination. He gives to us a very graphic scene of murder that Joab commits toward Amasa. Amasa, by the instruction of King David, has taken the role that Joab had once stood in. David has told Amasa to take men with him and go after this one Sheba. And on the way, 
He's met on the road by Joab. It seems as at first, it's just a casual conversation, a how do you do until Mesa feels that sharp sword piercing through his side. And and, and the writer makes it very explicit that his bowels begin to gush out. He wallows in blood in the midst of the highway for everyone that was with him to watch. And not once but twice we are told these people that were with Amasa going to slay Sheba. Twice we are told these people stood still. Never moved. Just watched Amasa die. That's where we are. But to get to where we are, we must turn the pages of the Bible back seven chapters as we are told Amnon had a friend. And this friend that Amnon had began to plot a way that Amnon's desire for the lust of his half-sister to be fulfilled. The plot was for Amnon to just pretend as if he's taken ill, stay in bed when the house is empty and tomorrow would come to check on you and Amnon, I'll be watching, I'll be at the door watching to make sure that no one enters and while the house is empty and tomorrow is taken care of you then then you can crave your lustful desire for your half-sister tomorrow. He does just that. A horrific rape takes place. David, the father, the king, finds out what has happened. And instead of David doing anything about it, he slides it under the rug keeps everything quiet, keeps it within the four walls of his house, hoping that maybe time will take care of the hurt. Problem, however, is tomorrow's full brother Absalom finds out what Amnon had done. And Absalom is not able to just casually stand by and let this let this horrific act go without punishment so Absalom takes it upon himself to take care of Amnon and at the plot 
and the mind and the idea that Absalom has, Amnon winds up losing his life. There is now a division. There is now a compromise between David and Absalom. Absalom, because of this, runs away from home. For three years, he's hiding out in the mountains. And for those three years, you will not find one time that David reached out to him, nor did Absalom reach out to David. No one was able to sever this separation. No one was able to bring the family back together. No one was maybe not able, but at least not willing enough to do what needed to be done to fix the pain in the home. Absalom finally on the word of Joab nonetheless comes back and it is now that familiar part of the story where Absalom stands in the gate of the city and everyone that has business with the king would come and would and would meet Absalom before they met David and Absalom stood there giving advice and counsel and we are told that Absalom would tell these people whatever it is they wanted to hear and in doing so he stole the hearts of the people now it's not just a home divided it's a kingdom divided now it's not just a family split it's a kingdom that's beginning to be in ruin and fall come on at the hands of men who are not willing to join hands themselves Every time I've heard this story preached, every time I've heard it talked about, we always paint Absalom as the bad guy. We always shine the light on Absalom as if he was the only one in the wrong. But if you'll get your nose in the book yourself, you will find that Absalom had been standing at that gate. He had been counseling with the people. He had been stealing the hearts of the people, not just for a few days, not just a few weeks, but for four years, he has stood in that gate, stealing the hearts of the people. You will never convince me that for four years, David did not know what was going on. You'll never convince me that for four years, the king of his kingdom was ignorant of what his son was doing. Oh no. David knew exactly what was happening. Come on. He knew exactly what was going on. But now there is a spirit of division that's grabbed a hold of both of these men. And it doesn't matter if they're in the same family. It doesn't matter if they're under the same roof. It doesn't matter if if they're in the same kingdom, they have now got pride to attach their heart. They are now in a place where they want power for themselves. And so you got David on his throne with his attitude of, listen to me, 
I'm right. But you got Absalom in the gate telling the people, no, listen to me, I'm right. And instead of both men doing what's right, they are more concerned with being right. They are more concerned with their power struggle. They are more concerned, come on, with their personal pride and people's praise that they don't understand your division is causing a kingdom to be divided. Your division is causing a kingdom to fall. Your division is calling a kingdom to be in ruins. Come on, and you listen to this evangelist. I know what I'm talking about. We are in a place in Pentecost now that the Holy Ghost power isn't enough for people, so they want their own power, and it's a power struggle. And instead of churches joining hands with other churches and organizations joining hands with other organizations, we got a power struggle here, and we got people saying, I'm right, and someone else is saying, no, I'm right and we can't fellowship and we can't be unified and we can't preach we can't preach each other's conferences and we can't come on come on we can't preach we can't preach each other unless they got my license and they got my letters who in the name of God do you think you are I tell you what we need we need to join hands and stop locking fists I've had it up to here with evangelists fighting evangelists and pastor fighting pastor and church fighting church. Dear God, we can do more together than we ever do apart. We can do more with our hands fighting hell than our fists fighting each other. Come on, don't get upset with me because I'm angry. I've got a right to be angry. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. God's about to come back. Come on, we're supposed to be in the business of emptying hell and filling heaven. We're supposed to be in the business of reaching to the lost. We're supposed to be in the business, come on, of fighting hell. Come on, but we can't do, we can't fight hell if we can't get our fist off of each other. We can't fight hell if we can't stop gossiping about each other. We can't can't fight hell if we're too busy fighting among our own kingdom. I'm sorry to bust your bubble, but when you enter heaven, they're not going to say, well done, thou good and faithful ALJC. They're not going to say, well done, thou good and faithful UPC. They're going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'll say if heaven's greatest compliment is a servant, we need to get back to doing that. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about my personal opinion and my, come on, my power struggle. It's about God. It's about the lost. It's about... No, let's just just keep fighting each other. Let's, Let's keep complaining about one another. Let's keep... Let's keep blowing the smoke about who's more holy than the other. Who's got it all together more than the other. Come on, what, what, what about the kingdom? What, what about the people in our hands that's suffering? 
from our own egotistical attitudes. You'll never find in Scripture a servant fighting another servant. Only kings do that because kings are territorial. Kings are of the attitudinal. This is my kingdom, so you do things my way. A servant says we can do more together than we can do separately. We can reach more together than we can reach separately. Come on, as far as, I, as far as I know, unless you read from a different Bible, there's only one street of gold in heaven, not multiple streets. This street is just for the WPF, and this street is just for the independent, and this street, no, there's only one street. Come on, and, and if our prayer, if the Lord's prayer was let it be on earth as it is in heaven, then we need to be one as they are. All right, all right. Well, Brother Atkins, maybe you don't understand. You're preaching for the superintendent of the Indiana district in the assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ. No, I'm preaching for Pastor Tim Gill. Yes, sir. Right. Yes, sir. That's who I'm preaching for. Yes, sir. Ain't going to be no titles in heaven. Ain't, no, ain't going to be no big eyes and little U's in heaven. I told you last night what we need. We need a move of God. And sometimes you got to shake the tree to get all the dead leaves off of it to find out who's got production value. Come on, do you not remember if one puts a thousand in flight, then two can put 10,000? Come on, and a, and a two, come on, and a three, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Come on, do you not remember that when the Lord showed up in Pentecost, it was when all the people was of one mind in one accord? There was no position pulling. There was no power struggle. They had one goal. They had one target. They had one mission. Revival. 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 Turning the world upside down. Pentecost. Holy Ghost. Come on, David. Get off your throne long enough to join hands with your son. Come on, Absalom, shut up long enough to join hands with your father. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, they're, they just, they still won't get along. They still won't talk. And because of this, a war breaks out in the kingdom. The devil never fights us as much as we fight each other. The devil never talks about us as much as we talk about each other. War breaks out. And, 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 and in this battle, David, David gives the most explicit instruction as he tells the people, look, I know Absalom's wrong. I, 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 I know he's one against me, but he's my boy. He's my son. Whatever you do in the battle, don't take his life. Don't kill him. 
and you'll find that the people of Israel stayed with Absalom, but the people of Judah went with David. Because praise will always be attached to the king. And the king will always join hands with praise. That's what's more than just hand clapping. It's us joining hands with the king. That's what's more than just shouting. It's us showing where our, where our allegiance lies. Paddle breaks out. David, David has to pass the brook Kedron and Absalom goes his way. And in this battle, in this war, as Absalom is, is, is riding down the field, his hair gets caught in a tree and there he is hanging on the tree. Guess who it is that, that just so happens to walk upon this scene? It's Joab. And Joab's got the instruction from David. Go, Joab has, has heard the words of David. Don't lay hands on my boy. Don't kill my boy. Don't, don't slay my son. But, but Joab takes out the sword. Maybe the same sword that slew Amasa. And there as Absalom is defenseless, Joab stabs Absalom kills him. He runs to David, tells David he's come upon the bloody son of, Ab, of, of David. Absalom has died and, and all David can do as a father is, is mourn and pray, oh my boy, my boy, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom. Give it some time, truth comes out. David finds out what, what Absalom or what Joab had, had done was not come upon the corpse of Absalom, but it was Joab who made Absalom a corpse. And so, and so David tells Joab, you're no longer in charge. I can't trust you. You went against my word. So Amasa will take your spot. Amasa will take your position. This is why Joab meets Amasa on the road because he's upset that somebody took his spot Joab you forgot the only reason you were in that spot is because the king put you there and if the king took you to it the king can take you from it it doesn't belong to you Joab So he, he takes a mesa by the beard to kiss him. Don't lose me now. He, when he's going for, for that affectionate kiss, he takes out that sword and pierces the fifth rib of a mesa. Now, they are going, they are going to slay Sheba because David has told a mesa. Sheba will do us more harm than Absalom ever thought about doing us. So we need to take care of this before it gets out of hand. 
And before the sun sets, they are going to win the battle. You better listen to me, Medora. They are going to victory. There's no doubt. Everything is just right. Everything has come together just like it should. The, the people are together now. They, the praisers are on the side of the king. The king has joined their hands together. They got one goal. They got one mission, one target to slay Sheba. And after the victory, they're going to have great revival in that kingdom. The, everything is ready for a move of God. Until a mesa falls to the ground and begins to wallow in his own blood. And the whole congregation that's on their way to victory, the let me just bring it down home. The church that's on their way to a move of God. Because now everything is ready to have one. They just stood still. Some may say, well, at least they wasn't going backward. But if you're not going forward, then what difference does it make if you're not going backward? They are, you, you got to get the picture, Medora. They are on their way to revival. They are, on, they are on their way to the greatest victory they ever had until a mesa dies, wallows in blood, and they stood still. Waiting for somebody else to take care of it. Waiting for somebody else to remove him out of the road. And in this crowd of people, there is, the Bible says, one man, one man, not two or three, just one, who was tired of standing still doing nothing who was tired of waiting for somebody else to take care of a mesa. And this one man, the Bible said, picked a mesa up. Bowels are gushing out. Blood is oozing out. See, no one wants to take care of a mesa because it's too much of a mess. No one wants to deal with a mesa because... Clothes are going to get dirty and they're going to get blood on their hands. So while everybody else is waiting for somebody else to pick up the mess, they don't realize they're not doing anything. They're not going anywhere. They can rejoice over where they've been, but they can't testify about where they're going because they're going nowhere at this moment. But watch what the man does. He does not bury a mesa. He does not dig a grave for a mesa. He just picks him up. 
and places him out of the road only only when somebody picked up a mesa when he was removed the people went on so the only thing that stopped the people from moving forward was somebody picking a mesa up you know what the name of mesa means perk up my door the name of mesa means burden So while others were satisfied with watching the burden die, one man had the attitude, if we're going to go on, I've got to pick the burden up. You know why churches never walk into their revival? You listen to me. I've done this a while. I think I know what I'm talking about. The reason why we never walk into a move of God, we've lost the burden. Because when you get a burden in your hands, it's messy. When you get a burden in your hands, you look different than everybody else who's just standing there. Burdens are not pleasant. They're heavy. They're weighty. They keep you up at night. Burdens are not pleasant. They make you look different. They make you act different. They make you walk different. They make you dress different. They make you... They change the perception of what people think about you. Those without a burden look a whole lot cleaner than those with a burden. So those without a burden will never understand those who's carrying it. Because they don't look the same. Those without a burden will always be too quick to judge those with one. Come on, those with the burdens not cocky and they ain't got an attitude. They just got a heavy weight on their shoulders. They just got a bloody corpse in their hands. Come on, and they can't lay it down. All the other people, they're too busy living saved than they are living sent. They're too busy living perfect. They're too busy, come on, they're too busy trying to make friends. They're too busy trying to be popular. Those with a burden are not popular people because they don't fit in. That's That's why you could have more people watching and just one carrying. Because not many people want to carry your burden because they're too busy about their, their self-conscience. They're, they're, they're too busy with everyday life. They're, 
They're too busy making sure everything is exactly the way they think it should. When you got a burden, you don't care. You don't focus on it. You don't focus on anything but a burden. Because the burden is so heavy. All you, I'm telling you, a burden, a burden keeps you up late at night. A burden, a burden makes you go to sleep crying. Come on, when's, when's the last time, Medora? When's the last time, family? When's the last time, married couple? You, you, you had a burden so heavy that you couldn't function until it was lifted. Okay, so, so look around. Everything looks great. Everything looks like we're all ready. Everything, if, everything's in order. Everything's perfect. Oh, okay, okay, but here's my question. Do you got a burden? Was the last time your burden for this city kept you up? To four o'clock in the morning. When's the last time a burden for your family wouldn't let you get off the phone until they promised you they'd be at church? And if they needed a ride, you didn't mind going out of your way to pick them up. See, burdens are very inconvenient. I'm gonna tell you, my door. You can rejoice over your new building. You can rejoice over the things you're about to do. But until somebody picks a mesa back up, you're just going to stand still. I have a unique connection with this church that I don't have with most. So I'll be very transparent with you people. COVID for me, the spirit of COVID happened before COVID was ever a thing. It's February of 2020, we were preaching somewhere in America. I told you those with a burden will those without a burden will never understand those with one. Never, ever, never. This certain district we was preaching in, I'm gonna tell you, it's very hard for me to pick up the burden of that church when they don't have one. It's Terry, the way I operate when I come to a church, I mean business when I get there. I'm not there to make friends. I'm not there to make fans. I'm there to have a move of God. And people that don't get that's because you ain't got a burden. You're too, you're, you're too worried about being popular. So when, 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 it's, when it's available to me, which is one reason I love parking at the churches we're preaching at because I like to be at that sanctuary 1 o'clock in the morning. I like to walk the aisles. I like to walk in and out of the pews because I can, I can pick up stuff a lot easier where I'm preaching than I can 
in my trailer or parking at another church and just the way I I operate. I try my best to pick up the burden of that pastor and that wife and carry it for as long as I'm there, which is why it's a very tasking life to be an evangelist. Because I know to do the next church justice, I've got to lay that burden down and then go pick up there a mesa. And you do this week after week after week after week after week. It becomes very exhausting. The problem I found myself in with this particular district is there was no amasis to pick up because they all died. Tell you how bad it was. One dude we scheduled scheduled him two years prior and the schedule was supposed to be Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He lets me know two weeks before they'll take off Monday night. Okay, whatever, no big deal. Until I find out two weeks after the revival ended, the reason he took off was he had a baseball game to play. Not a saint, the pastor. So you want me to come in and try to somehow find the vein and the spirit and have a move of God when you're too busy playing secular sports. Okay, well, you're an idiot if you think anything can be resolved with that. But, but this is what I was facing week after week. People didn't want it. People wasn't hungry. Your pastor said, if you come hungry, you will be filled. You know why? Because it's easy to feed hungry people. If you're not being fed, you may, you, may, you may want to check how full of carnality you are and how, cool of, how full of worldliness you are. And just some of you ain't even looking at me right now. Where's your Amasa? So I found myself, with the guilt I'll be transferring, I found myself losing my Amasa. And it scared me because if I don't have the burden to do this, I will be no help to anybody. I will only be doing it for a paycheck. And then I'll only be preaching at the places that can give me a big paycheck. Which is not an evangelist, that's called a traveling preacher. And so when everything shut down, when everything was closed, just so happened to be close to Olive Branch, Mississippi, where Brother Cook, my best friend, is at. We pulled into his church thinking we would be there two weeks. We left six months later. And in those, in those days and months of shutting down, most pastors like yours redid the sanctuary, redid carpet. A lot of pastors did that. You know what I did? I found myself... Redoing me. I found myself working on me. Four o'clock in the morning in the sanctuary, I found myself bawling my eyes out saying, God, am I still, still supposed to be doing this? Is, is, is this still your will for my life? Because if it's not, you better change it now because I will ruin everybody that I come in contact with if I don't have a burden to reach them. 
I remember what I felt 19 years ago when my wife and I left this full time. I remember the hunger I had and the craving. I, I remember the only thing on my mind was the move of God. I didn't care. I Come on, I didn't care how, how many friends I met along the way. I just wanted the move of God. I just wanted God to change churches and save people and stir. I just want America to have a move of God. I found my Emesa wallowing in blood. I found my Emesa dying. I found my Emesa breathing his last breath. But I'm going to tell you, in that COVID season, as I begin to pray and I begin to fast and I begin to call out to God, I found that Emesa getting heavier in my arms. I found that Emesa being becoming more weighty in my spirit. I found, come on, I found myself more bloody. I found myself more dirty. I found found myself carrying the mess of a mesa and two years later I can say without a doubt in my mind my burden now to evangelize is greater than it's ever been and the fire in my spirit is hotter and brier and hot. come on that's why I don't care that's why I could care less if people like me love me hate me want anything to do with me come on my mesa won't let me worry about that stuff I got a burden to reach the lost. Come on. I refuse to stand still and watch someone else pick up my Mesa. If I gotta fight hell, I'll fight hell. Come on. If I gotta go through three rims on a travel trailer, I'll do it because my burden will not let me put a Mesa down. My burden will not let me let go of my Mesa. He's too heavy. He's too weighty. I refuse to stand still and talk about what God did. I noticed back there where my boy's table is the other night when I walked in here to pray. That beautiful wall of history of this church. It's one you should be proud of. It's one you should hold your head up high about. But you hear me. Your testimony better be greater than your memory. I don't want to be where God moved. I don't want to be where it happened. Tell you, Pentecost, when's the last time you heard a sermon about a burden? No. No, we don't hear that stuff no more because we're too busy. Too busy with everyday life. We're too busy with... What we think things should be, we're too busy. We're too busy looking pretty, standing still. So here, here, here's my question, MPC. Here's my question, Medor. The only thing that made the people go on is one man. One individual that was tired of just standing there. That if the king has sent me 
to have victory. I don't want to fall short of the king's word because I'm allowing my burden to die. So my question, and then what pretty much this sermon can be, can be summed up in just, just one question. Where is that one in this building? Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.